And we are live. This is Winning Wednesday. This is a Winning Wednesday where we're going to deep dive into this topic. It's cerebral vascular disorders. Hey, everybody. I am back in the continental United States. It has been a journey getting back here, uh, but I am grateful to be back. Thank you guys for all the prayers. I needed them. I needed them. I wasn't feeling well, but here I am ready, ready, ready to begin our winning Wednesday. So we're going to be going over cerebral vascular disorders. You're going to want to take notes on this live because I'm going to be talking uh, in depth about this. And I'm anticipating that you learn something new, that you learn something new. Of course, when we talk about cerebral vascular disorders, we are referring to cerebral vascular, meaning the flow of the brain, the flow of the brain, that's what the term cerebral vascular means. And then um, if we're looking at disorders, we're talking about areas of the brain when there is a temporary disruption or flow from one or more vessels to the brain. And the brain is one of our central functional organs. It makes us who we are. So this will be on your licensure exam in one way or another. So let's get into it. Welcome. Glad to see everybody here. We going to get into it. Yeah. All right. So again, if you're just joining us, you are going to want to take notes on cerebrovascular disorders because this function um, abnormality that we're going to discuss involves your central nervous system. Now, if you can think of what are the components of your central nervous system, we have your brain, we have your spinal cord, right? So we are talking about a disruption of blood flow, all right, a disruption of blood flow. And this is also known as, so we don't cause any confusion, this is also known as stroke, okay? So this is a common term, somebody has a stroke, it's actually a cerebrovascular incident. It's actually a cerebrovascular incident. And so um, stroke in general, I say stroke can be divided, can be divided into two categories. There, there's two main categories of a stroke, and that is ischemic, right? Ischemic, do you know what that term means? And then there is a hemorrhagic stroke. So we're talking about a disruption. Hot. Hi, everybody. I'm so glad that you guys are here. Seriously, this is Winning Wednesday. We do this every Wednesday now. And um, it's a big deal that you guys join me. So good evening and welcome. We're just getting started. So ischemic stroke. In this incident, we are talking about a disruption of blood flow again. And hemorrhagic stroke, this is a bleeding of the cerebral blood vessels, which is causing the issue. Do me a favor and take a moment and subscribe to my YouTube channel if you have not, right? And then also tag your favorite nursing student because this may be something that they didn't learn in nursing school, but will help them on their licensure exams. Shout out to Arlene from Jamaica. Love it there. So with the cerebrovascular accident or strokes, this is honestly uh, one of the leading causes of adult disabilities. So when you think of people, you think of people getting older and having to have, uh, you know, um, uh, applications for ambulation, have to have modifications to their home. Uh, having a stroke is going to be the leading cause of that. Yeah, it's going to be the leading cause of that. So why not learn about it? Why not be proficient in it as a nurse? All right. So the most common 
division of the stroke, the ischemic stroke, 85% of strokes are ischemic. This is because a sudden loss of function has occurred and it's disrupting the blood supply to part of the brain. So we're talking about ischemia. Um, it, is, it, it is meaning that either a blood clot or what, or an artery has narrowed because of plaque uh, to the point that there's not enough innervation going to the brain. That is what the ischemic stroke is. Now, what, what are some causes of ischemic stroke, the different types? This is something that you need to be, um, I would say, less familiar with for your actual board exams, more familiar with with practice, because we're getting into specialties now, right? And most nursing students are not familiar with all of the specialties. So I just wanted to go into the divisions of ischemia. So essentially, you can have a, a large artery, okay, thrombotic stroke. You can have a small penetrating artery, thrombotic stroke, all right? And these are just um, locations of the stroke and causes of the stroke. So you have, you know, you have a blood clot, you have a thrombus here. You can have a cardiogenic embolic stroke, and that means you see the word cardio there in embolus or embolotic, and that just means that from the heart, from the heart, there is an embolus that comes and it travels to the brain. All right. You could have a crypt cryptoninic stroke and you have the word crypto. That's like a mystery. You don't know. The cause is unknown. What is causing it? Or there's other different types of strokes. All right. But the, the main idea is that the central cause is there is a disruption from a blood clot or a traveling blood clot to the brain. And again, with the pathophysiology here, I, I have this chart, but what, the, what I want to note is that, yes, you have some ischemia, and that is going to cause some energy failure, right? But what it's going to create is this acidosis, right? This acidosis condition where your, your brain is going to be retaining carbon dioxide because oxygen is not going to be present for an exchange. And you have a lack of oxygenation to the brain, and that is going to cause cellular injury and cellular death to literal brain cells. So you can imagine how this person is going to change after they have experienced this type of process, okay? So the clinical manifestations, the signs and symptoms are always important once you understand that pathophysiology. So the clinical manifestations of a stroke, they, they really do depend on the location. They really do depend on the location of the stroke. And you guys know that, that this is not um, uncommon to you. We're gonna get more into some details that may be, but you're gonna have a motor loss, okay? And so that means the functional, um, the functionality of the muscles, the functionality of the, um, the, the, the process of movement, all right, is going to be affected. And so with the stroke, you're going to have an opposite presentation of the sign of injury. So if you have um, a left brain stroke, right, then if you have a left brain stroke, then the right side of the body is going to be affected and vice versa. So it's going to manifest 
by the um, opposites. Motor loss, communication loss is again, communication loss is again something that is going to be caused by brain damage. So dysarthria, aphasia, apraxia, these are not things that you will have unless your brain is affected. So pair these two together for your nursing boards. You can't have aphasia without some sort of brain damage. Like that's a sh that, that is a way that I want you to remember it. All right. Okay. So let's talk about um, these terms. Make sure you know these things. Make sure you know dysarthria, right? What does that mean? You have weakness in the muscles, particularly that are helping you to speak, okay? Aphasia, aphasia is kind of popular. We learn it in nursing school a lot. This is your inability to understand or express speech. And then apraxia, again, also this is caused by brain damage of some sort. And this is your inability to perform very familiar, very familiar activities. So brushing your teeth, combing your hair. All right. These are what you'll see as well as the acronym FAST. We're talking about cerebral vascular uh, disorders, also known as stroke this evening. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And so with the stroke, um, you got to think fast. And so the presentations that you're going to see is in the facial symmetry. If a client has um, one side of their face appearing droopy, if you ask them to smile or if you just ask them to be still, that is going to be a sign of a stroke, an arm drift, okay? And that is essentially because strokes cause muscle weakness. Strokes cause muscle weakness, as well as your patient may complain of numbness and tingling uh, on one or both sides of the body, right? And so if we ask the person to lift up both of their arms, you will see that one arm is not going to be able to be lifted at the same height as the other. Speech, strokes also affect speech. We talked about that. And so asking the person a, a simple question or even asking them to repeat something, you will see a difference in their speech because of it. And with stroke, there is a golden time. And the time that you need to know is 60 minutes or one hour. And that is the goal to get treatment from the time that a person um, is diagnosed, help is called, and to the time they're treated, you want that to be about an hour. You want that to be about an hour, okay? All right, let's get into more clinical manifestations. We talked about motor loss. We talked about um, communication loss. Let's talk about the perceptual disturbances or sensory loss surrounding, are you guys still with me? Sensory loss surrounding the cerebral vascular incidence. And so you're gonna have some um, homogenous hemonopsia, and that is essentially 
a vision change. We're talking about perception disturbances. And so um, this is when the person sees only on one side of their eyes for both eyes. I don't know if that makes sense, but what happens is they can only see the right side of their visual field and they cannot see the left side, right? And so that's what that term means. You have some visual spatial disturbances. So your depth perception can change with the cerebral uh, vascular incident. You have some agnosia, okay? Well, that means you cannot identify objects or people, cannot identify objects or people. And that can be very disturbing to our loved ones when our father, our mother, our grandmother, they don't understand, they don't know who we are, all right? And then loss of this term, proprioception. This is a term you should be familiar with. Proprioception is the idea um, that you have an ability, you have an ability to sense movement. You have an ability to sense action. You have an ability to know your location, all right? And so these are all perceptual, uh, visual disturbances that can occur. Sensory loss, sensory loss, okay? The, I have underneath that the cognitive impairment and psychological effects of having a stroke. And if you've ever taken care of a stroke patient, they do seem to all have a psychological effect. This is a traumatic event. And so um, if you work on a neuro floor, I, I, man, I really give you applauses because neuro patients can be very challenging to care for. I, I say that with the, as, as much love as possible. Oh, they challenge it because there's a sense of frustration when you used to be able to do things that you no longer can do. So patients with strokes, psychologically, they tend to be irritable, right? Um, they tend to struggle with forgetfulness. They tend to struggle with um, confusion, impatience, because this is a new situation for them. And on top of not having the ability to get up and go like they want to, they're in a new environment. They're having to get fed by somebody else. You're having to give them a bath. You, if you've ever been on a neuro floor, you know it is challenging because all of a sudden the patients have um, a new disability. Like, so I said, cerebral um, vascular disorders are the number one cause of adult disabilities. And I, I they, they don't want to be like this. They don't want to be irritable. irritable. They, they don't want to be impatient, but they're trying to work through a process and at the same time having to learn a whole bunch of new stuff. So it's challenging. It's, it's, it's really challenging if you're a nurse and going to go into this type of environment to be able to have a certain amount of your, um, of yourself reserved for patience. OK, because you will definitely um, you will have to factor all this into your nursing care. hundred percent. You're going to have to factor all of this into your nursing care. All right. So we're talking about the clinical manifestations. I like to do um, medical management because that is very important when you talk about a disease process. You better know 
you better know how to treat it for your NCLEX exam. And so let's get into it. I don't have too many things here. Honestly, there, there's a, probably a whole bunch of other things that could be added, but these are the main staples of the cerebrovascular uh, treatment. The thrombolytic therapy, of course, okay? And so these are drugs that will actually break up a blood clot that is present. And there's a ton of probably separate names that I could give for thrombolytic therapy. I want you guys more to know the parameters of administration and the potential side effects. Okay. Anticoagulation, um, some examples of the anticoagulation are gonna be heparin, low molecular weight heparin, aspirin, and NOACs, which are, con which are considered novel oral anticoagulants. Okay. Does anybody know what's the difference between heparin and a low molecular weight heparin? Which one would you say was better for a patient? <laughs> I know they, they both have their certain indications, but you should know the difference between the heparin and the low molecular weight heparin. What are going to be the, the benefits of one over the other? Yeah, low molecular weight heparin. I'm just reading the comments. So remember with the lower molecular weight heparin, these are going to be a preference specifically for at-home treatment because they work longer. The side effects are more predictable, pre predictable for the lower molecular weight heparin. There is a, a lower risk of osteoporosis, right? And you don't have to have your laboratory values drawn because the outcome is more stable. Okay, the outcome of your patient is more stable. So it's a huge benefit for a client to be on a lower molecular weight heparin. Um, going to the NOACs, I just want to make a note um, for the clopidogrel and triclopidine. These are medications that are going to thin the blood significantly. And so anytime just general safety, anytime that a patient is on any of these medications and they have to prepare for surgery, these medications must be stopped. These medications must be stopped. And this would be a reason why you would call the doctor for your NCLEX exam, okay? Yeah. All right, let's go back to the other treatments. Uh, maintenance of CCP and ICP, what is CCP? What is what does the term CCP mean? And it's okay if you don't know, just acknowledge that you don't know so you can look it up. So increased um, intracranial pressure is ICP and CCP is cerebral perfusion pressure. Cerebral perfusion pressure, okay? Central cerebral perfusion pressure. And we're going to use a mannitol to make sure that that is under control. And also, you, you understand that a mannitol is a diuretic. So what it's going to do is it's going to force urine production. And with the urine production, it is going to eliminate extra fluid. We have our statin, statin medications. These are our cholesterol or lipid-lowering medications. Lipid-lowering medications are going to be important because one of the reasons that a patient can throw a clot is because they have high cholesterol. 
they can have a stroke because they have high cholesterol. Managing potential complications, other potential complications that follow a stroke are cerebral edema, urinary tract infection, cardiac dysrhythmias, and other complications of immobility. So remember, look, tell me what this one is. When we talk about managing potential complications, is this a primary, a secondary, or a tertiary prevention? What would you say? When we talk about managing the potential complications, cerebral edema, UTIs, cardiac dysrhythmias, and other complications of immobility, what is it? You, um, primary, secondary, or tertiary in, in our medical management? Yeah, I see it on the screen. Good job, guys. Mm -hmm. Keep that comments going. No, 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 no. So, ooh, all right. So the person has had a stroke. The person has had a stroke here. So if we're talking about managing or trying to prevent, no. If we're talking about trying to prevent the complications involved after a stroke, this is going to be tertiary. Like we're trying to minimize the effects after a stroke. So we're going to say tertiary for this one. Okay. Tertiary. And if you didn't watch our, if you did not watch my, my prevention levels of prevention, I think we did that last week for winning Wednesdays. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. It's going to be helpful. Okay. Also, as a nurse, we're going to do continuous assessment, our general and neurologic assessment for the registered nurses, uh, swallowing ability, nutritional and hydration status, um, skin integrity, because we're going to, we're going to expect a, a, a change in mobility, activity intolerance, and bladder and bowel function. These are going to be part of the nursing management. These are going to be part of the things that you are going to take care of for your patient. Um, improve mobility and joint deformities. That is very important. I want you to try to make the connection of why joint deformities are going to happen with our patients with a stroke. Prevent shoulder adduction. Super important. So important. Did you realize that the shoulder is a huge concern for a patient with a stroke? Can somebody think of why that might be? Can somebody think of why the shoulder, it's called um, shoulder stroke. When a person has problems with their shoulder after a stroke, it's called shoulder stroke. And it is a big deal. It is a big deal because if it's not treated properly, if it's not treated correctly, patient's shoulder can fall off. It's possible. It's possible. The whole shoulder can just drop. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. So I'm just looking, I'm waiting. Does anybody know why that would be an issue? The shoulder for a patient with a stroke. Mm, I've seen decreased balance. That kind, that kind of, that kind of makes sense. You do need your shoulders for balance, but think about I'm waiting. Hmm. Think about the the think about mobility. Think about the the paralysis that occurs. So if you have a stroke and you have like um, right sided weakness, the muscles are going to be atrophied. And so that means all of the muscles, even if you have, like we talk about balance, the reason why you can't get your balance is because this whole side is dropped down. And so particularly 
for the shoulder muscles, those muscles, when they don't have, you know, when, yeah, when, when they don't, that muscle wasting, right? So when they don't have that, um, that pull, when they don't have that exercise constantly, the rotator cuff begins to atrophy, right? It begins to get weak. And the rotator cuff is really holding this whole thing together. And so the patient begins to have shoulder drop and that becomes pervasive, right? And if we don't get like a sling and get that, that shoulder up and support it, then the patient will have a total, they're going to need some serious surgery. Um, and it, it will be a very, very painful situation, painful situation, just because those muscles are weak. And so you see clients with strokes, this is why they hold their arm like this, or they have their shoulder in a sling, because that all needs to be supported. So don't forget that. I feel like we don't talk about the shoulder enough when it comes to strokes. You guys agree? Like we don't, that's not one of the things we think about, but it is, it is a concern. So preventing shoulder adduction. We don't want those muscles to separate. Changing the positions, establishing an exercise program and structured routines and preparing the client for ambulation because we do want them to ambulate as much as they can. Oh, here is a big one. Here is a big one. This self-care. Honestly, if you think that a client with a stroke needs to have everything done for them, you're going to, you're not going to pass that part of NCLEX because that is not at all the goal. We want them to do as much care as possible. So carry out all of the self-care activities on the affected side, the unaffected side. Sorry about that. We want them to do that. Uh, we want to start with activities that they can do and perform with one hand. Okay. Think about that. Think about it. The family should probably bring clothing that is preferably a larger size. I'm going to ask you guys some review questions in a second. Bigger clothes are going to be easier to put on. All right. We don't really want our yoga patients, our women trying to, I mean, we don't want our female patients, even if they do practice yoga, we don't want them trying to get into yoga pants. Like wear the extra large jogging pants. It's okay. It's all right. Okay. Keep environment organized and uncluttered, especially for clients with perceptual problems. We really, again, are trying to focus on making self-care possible for them. Putting clothing, um, we help them when it comes to the affected side, but not the unaffected side. Use a large mirror, use a large mirror while dressing to promote awareness of the affected side. Okay. So I had did some notes here when I was studying this topic. And so I want you guys to tell me which is better. I want you guys to tell me which is better. Keeping in mind our cerebral vascular client. So which one would be better for the cerebral vascular client? Liquid soap or bar soap? What do you guys think? Liquid soap. So liquid, I'm talking about what they will use in the shower, right? Liquid soap or bar soap? Which one is going to be better for the client with the cerebral vascular accident? What do you guys think? And this is all good stuff. This is stuff that you should be really familiar with, ready, prepared with. Ooh, it's already a division. I see some people saying liquid. I see some people saying bar soap. Mm. This is good. This is good. 
Mm. Lots of liquid, lots of bar. Okay, maybe you never thought about this before. Maybe it never was presented to you. And that's what I'm here for. That's my purpose, to turn it up a notch, to turn it up a notch. So for this one, I have some other ones, but for this one, we are going to say liquid soap is better because then it's easier. Squirt it out, right? And get it on. That's it. With the bar soap, you got to get it wet. You got to lather it up. I don't know if I could lather it as well with one hand, like if I had some weakness. So the bar soap is going to take more manipulation. With liquid soap, you get it on, it's over, right? And so definitely, this is what NCLEX does. It challenges what you've studied in terms of critical thinking, right? So if you are not thinking about a person taking care of themselves, okay, never mind. Let me not get too, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Okay, here we go. Which is going to be easier? When the client with the cerebral vascular accident is getting dressed, standing up, getting dressed, or sitting down, getting dressed? Standing up, getting dressed, or sitting down? Some of the stuff you might think, oh, like, yeah, that's common sense. But if you've never taken care of a stroke patient, you really got to think. You really got to think, like, well, which one is better? Okay, standing up or sitting down, getting dressed. What do you guys say? Oh, some division here too. I love it. I love it. That means we're learning tonight. So the correct answer for this is going to be absolutely sitting down, sitting down, sitting down, sitting down. Okay. Next one, testing the water. What is best to test the water with? Yeah. Falls risk. Falls risk. Yeah. We want to reduce falls. What is best to test the water with if you're giving a patient uh, instructions for home, all right, and say they're going to take a bath or use a, use a basin full of water, is it better for them to test the temperature of the water with an affected hand or an unaffected foot? Those are your choices not with a thermometer. Those are not your choices. With an affected hand or an unaffected foot. What do you guys think? And don't make up the other options. I'm only giving you two options. You either can put affected hand or unaffected foot. That's it. Okay. So people are saying the foot, the foot, the foot. Is it the foot? Would you say that? Unaffected foot. Affected hand. You'll use the affected hand or an unaffected foot. Okay. All right. We're talking self-care. I'm live. I am live. You made the live class and we are in it. Okay. So somebody said the elbow. Y'all refuse to listen tonight. You refuse to do your own thing. You want to do your own thing. All right. The correct answer is actually going to be the unaffected foot unaffected foot. Okay. All right. Let's talk the toilet seat. Should the toilet seat be elevated or should it be lowered for safety? What do you guys think? We're talking about your stroke client in their home. Should the toilet seat be elevated or lowered? And yeah, I'm reading the comments. So we would, we would definitely want the unaffected foot because an affected hand, remember we're talking about strokes. It is going to 
experience probably some sensory changes, some numbness, some paralysis, and it may not be able to convey an appropriate temperature. Okay. That's the area. All right. I asked the question, the toilet seat for your client with a stroke, do you want it elevated or do you want it lowered? You want it higher than normal or lower than normal? Mm. I mean, I'm honestly, I'm shocked by these, by these answers. But you know what? What's really good is that we have people from all levels of knowledge when it comes to nursing in our community. So if you're here, uh, the intention is that we're learning from each other. This is a study session. That's why I tell you guys to invite your friends. So we want the client to have an elevated or raised, an elevated or raised toilet seat higher because think about it. How much more balance does it take to get low? It takes so much more balance. That's why a lot of us in high school and college, we were like these amazing dancers and we could dance and we could drop down, get our eagle on, whatever. And now we would never, we would never think to do that because who can balance as such, right? And so for our stroke patients, we definitely, definitely want that toilet seat to be raised. All right, final one. Yes or no? This is a yes or no, right? Here is the situation. If a client is ambulating in their home, should we encourage them to use furniture for support? Like if they're going through their home, should they use the furniture to like kind of support them? I know you've seen it. I know you've seen people who move through their home and they're like holding on to everything through the home. Like, ah, I've got to make it to the kitchen counter. Once I get to the kitchen counter, I'll use my sofa. Get me through the walls. Hold me. Right. What do you guys think? We're talking safety here. These are the questions that you have to be prepared to answer in a real way and in a confident way too, for your NCLEX exam. Some people are saying, yeah, go ahead do that because right. Some people are saying, absolutely not. It's a big no. It's a definitely no. Like You should not be doing that in your home. But many people do it, right? It's a real situation. I tried to think of difficult situations for you guys. And it's just, yes, NCLEX is lots of critical thinking. Thank you so much. <laughs> Shout out to Hughes Initiative. I love when businesses drop by. Show me some love. Remar is the best number one NCLEX instructor in the world. I love that. All right. Okay, some people are saying yes, people are saying no. The correct answer, you may want to know this and note it, is that no, we don't want people in their homes using furniture to support them. Who's to say that chair is appropriate to hold their weight? Who's to say that the wall won't give out? You cannot be recommending your patient to use non-supportive things for ambulation, as a nurse, as a nurse, you have to encourage actual assistive devices. If you cannot move through your home without holding on to the walls, the furniture, the table, the dog, whatever, you need to have a, a cane or you need to be moved into another situation. Because remember, walkers in the home are not ideal, right? Um, steps in the home are not ideal. So 
this is the mindset that you have to have. You have to have this mentality of practical safety for your NCLEX exam. You can't get creative. You almost never can get creative with NCLEX. It is very by the book. It is very straightforward. And again, you cannot use what happens in the real world to answer these questions. Because we know people do this in the real world. We know there's patients with strokes that are just walking through their homes. We know there's patients with strokes that probably use bar soap, right? But we cannot have these types of teaching and um, thoughts on our mind when we take this board exam because it's so it's so vanilla, it's so straightforward and sterile. All right, let's get let's move on from this. I don't I don't plan to keep you. I didn't plan to keep. I never planned to keep y'all so long. Ooh, my goodness. All right, I got some more questions and then I'll let you go. I promise. Nurse Kathy, this is question number one. Nurse Kathy is assessing a client who is suspected of having a stroke. She asked the client to close his eyes and places a key and a coin in the client's palm. She then asked the client to identify each item. Nurse Kathy is performing the test for stereognosis. homophonous hemonopsia, loss of proprioception, visual spatial disturbance. What would you say is going on here? Oh, we talked about this. I don't do this to you guys. I don't ask you unless I've already told you. I don't ask you unless I've already told you. Okay, and so this was something that we did go over today in our lecture. Okay, we did go over it today in our lecture. What is the correct answer? And some people are keeping it real. Regina, I don't know. Regina, I never knew. <laughs> I don't know. If you don't know, just go ahead and take a guess. If you don't know, you better ask somebody. Right. And that person is actually me. I'm going to give you the right answer. The right answer is it is number one, the stereognosis. I did talk about this. And if you remember, let me see if I can find the slide. It was here. OK, we talked about it. So go back and take notes. The perceptual disturbances and in, in, uh, sensory loss. It's a real thing. It's a real, real thing. OK. Okay, question number two, question number two is this thrombolysis is contraindicated for clients with prolonged ischemic stroke. If the current time is 2 p.m., who among the following clients is eligible for thrombolysis? Client was last seen awake and without deficits at 11 a.m. Two. Client lost motor control of left arm at 8 a.m. Client has numbness and loss of sensation of left side of the face since 10 a.m. None of the above. Ooh. Mm. Oof. This is tough. Hmm. Mm, 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 mm. 
What do you guys say? We're talking about who is eligible, just on a very general sense. Who's eligible for the thrombolysis? Mm. I would, I would caution. Well, mm. there's somebody that's eligible. Gotta hurry though. Mm. Okay, correct answer is going to actually be number one. The time consideration is very important. It should be given within a three hour window due to the danger of conversion of ischemic stroke. So we can give number one, we can give them, we can give them the thrombolytic. You always want to be able to do something for the patient. Don't call it all loss. If we have that three-hour window, let's go ahead and let's give it to that patient. Moving on, question number three is this. Medications are given in stroke clients to address primary problems and to prevent consequences. Which of the following statements regarding therapeutics in cerebral vascular disease is incorrect? All right. Number one, atorvastatin is given to lower cholesterol levels. Two, streptokinase is given to prevent clots. Three, heparin is given to dissolve clots. Or four, ferrosamide is given to decrease, decrease ICP. All right. According to the question, which one is going to be the correct answer? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I see what you guys mean. <laughs> I see what you guys mean here. Which one is going to be incorrect, though, for purposes, though? Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, man. Actually, hmm. This should be a select all that apply. Can you guys see that? Which one? This, this should be a select all that apply now that I'm looking at it. There are two answers that are incorrect. Give me the two answers that are incorrect. Now I see. Yeah. There, yeah, there. Go ahead and give me all the answers that could be incorrect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. So for this one, oh man. All right, for this one, we're just gonna we're gonna just go over this one together. All right, so we're so we're about to go over the answers now. So number one, number one, atorvastatin is given to lower cholesterol levels. Is that correct? Would we give atorvastatin to lower cholesterol levels? Yes, we would. So that one is going to be a correct appropriation. Oh my goodness. Two, this one says. Streptokinase is given to prevent clots. 
All right. Streptokinase is given to prevent clots. Is that true? Ooh, this is, this is, are we going to go with that? Streptokinase is given to prevent clots. Do we give this as a, do we give this as a prophylactic? No, no way. Two is wrong, right? Streptokinase breaks down clots. All right. What about three? Heparin is given to dissolve clots. Heparin is given to dissolve clots. This one also is incorrect. Oh my goodness. Oh, glory. This one is also incorrect because we would give, yeah, like two and three should be flipped. So heparin is given to prevent clots, but it does not do anything for an active clot. It's not going to break anything down. Now, what about for ferrosamide? Ferrosamide is given to decrease ICP. Oh, what? What about that one? Ferrosamide is given to, it's going to correct, inter, increase intracranial pressure. What would you say? Okay. All right. So that is, that is going to not be correct either because we said that mannitol, mannitol is going to be the drug of choice, right? It's going to be the one that's going to be able to reduce the, the blood viscosity, also the promoting, it, it like promotes the, the expansion of plasma and the release of it, and it improves a cerebral oxygen. So it's not going to be ferrosamide, it would be mannitol. So two, three, and four there were incorrect. Let's do number five. Number five is this, Raya is caring for a client with ischemic stroke. Which of the following should be done carefully because of the risk of further increasing intracranial pressure? Repositioning, feeding, vital signs taking, or medication administration. There is one answer here that should be done carefully because of the risk of increasing intracranial pressure. What would you guys say? Hey, I like what I'm seeing. I think we're pretty much on one accord. Facebook, YouTube, we got over 500 nursing students right now studying on a Wednesday night. What kind of people are you? You just love nursing so much. Hey, we're here. We are here. So remember, you want to be like as common sense as possible. So in this instance, the correct answer is going to be repositioning, okay? And so that is going to require... That is going to require um, some very, very, very careful, 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 careful um, handling of your patient because the change in the blood pressure ICP may affect cerebral perfusion. All right. And so you have to be very careful. This is something that we teach the unlicensed assistive personnel to be mindful of. Hey, I could tell you how studying with me helps and, and, and how well you're going to do when you show up here and dedicate just this little amount of time to your license. But 
I have a nurse that's going to tell you. Her name is Nurse Barbara. She was a third time repeat test taker. and she. Hello everyone, my name is Barbara. And I am proud to say that now I am a Rima nurse. I started going to school back in 2018. I went for practical nurse. After graduating school, I started for my Implex. I did fail twice and I found Regina, she kept popping up on my Facebook um, when I was looking for materials to study. And she came up and I started watching her um, classes online, you know, the Monday Motivationals and some other training that she did. Um, and I got my books, I bought them. That was the most, um, you know, something that, I, it, it was worth it to invest in this. Um, you can use your virtual trainer. I also bought the Quick Facts, which I was reading every day. Um, this has a lot of information that is very helpful. I suffered a major stroke while I was in school, and it was really hard for me to retain a lot of information, even with um, the other study materials that I was using seems like nothing was clicking but then when I started with this it seems like everything you know was uh, easier for me to understand I just wanted to let you know that it is worth it it is worth investing yourself for you to get your license your nursing license it doesn't matter if it's for RN or PN PN um, you have to try this it is really worth it it really helped me a lot now I just did my English exam. My third attempt, I just found out today that I did pass my PN NCLEX with 75 questions. So I am now an LPN, a Riemann nurse, and I just wanted to let you know that it is worth it. Invest in yourself and follow, follow the study materials. So if I pass NCLEX, you can do it. You can, you will, and you must pass in clicks. Hey, honestly, I don't know what to say. Like when I hear testimonials like that, like whatever excuse that is preventing a person from reaching their goals, I don't buy, I don't buy it. You need to cut it. You need to drop it right now because I literally just listened to a person told me they had a stroke and they still attempted to learn all of this material for their nursing license. They we, we just talked about all the things that happen when you have a stroke, the memory loss, the, the, the perception, the visual changes. Like, what excuse are you, are you using not to meet your goals? Do you have an illness in your body? Are you tired? Do you have four kids? Do you have whatever it is, whatever it is, you have to progress when you hear people who have success after these type of events. And I, I don't know about you guys, but that that should be the motivation of all motivations. Um, you have a repeat test taker, somebody who was sick in their body, who had a, every excuse to say, I'm not going to be able to accomplish this goal pity me for my current situation because I I don't have to study. Like there's some there's some excuses that we hold on to 
that literally we convince ourselves that we don't have to go for our goals anymore. And I, having a stroke, it would be one of them. Having a stroke is a good is a good one to say, I can't do this. I just got to focus on me. I got to focus on me. But when nursing is your ministry, that focusing on you means becoming a nurse. Like that's a part of who you are supposed to be. And so I just probably need to play that video again. I, somebody missed that video, but literally we have had nurses in our community who have overcome major challenges. <laughs> Amen. That's what we want. I want one thing that I say or one thing that you see give you that motivation to try again. Try again, because there are people getting their nursing license every day. You just have to make a decision whether you're going to be one of them or not. You just have to do your part. You just have to make that effort. You just have to realize if you want the life of your dreams, you got to work for it. Nobody's giving out amazing lives. Nobody's giving that out. Nobody's giving. Nobody's giving everything you want out of life. Oh, nobody's giving that out. And so whatever little you must do today in order to get there in the future, do it. Don't make your future self hate you. You don't want the person, you, you don't want 10 years older you looking back thinking, why did I blow all that time? Why didn't I do anything with all the time, with all the health, with all the money I had, right? That's what happens. Don't give up. You will. You got to claim it. You got to claim it. I see it. I will. I will be. Yes. You You have to do what you can today. Yes. Even if you're going through. See yourself out of the situation. The temporary afflictions that we are enduring do not compare to the, the, the glory that is coming. And I'm telling y'all. On the, on the other side of your nursing license, it's sweet. I can't tell you how good it is. You girl, you don't have to chase the bag. The bag will chase you. You don't have to worry about, where am I gonna work? I get, I get texts every morning. I don't even do nursing at the bedside anymore. I still get texts every morning, $90 an hour to come work for three weeks. $2,000 sign-on bonus if you sign today. $100 an hour to go to Los Angeles and be a nurse for six weeks. That's the kind of, that's the kind of things that will be coming to you once you pass this small hurdle that we call NCLEX. You got to get over it, though. You have to get over it. We cannot, um, we can no longer settle into our comfort zone of, uh, I'm just, I'm just going to keep on studying for the next six months to a year, which can turn into three years. Right. And then you guys are watching me and you, you, you are watching me now. I'm telling you can, will, must. I'm telling you, take the license before the test changes and somebody will be watching me, but then they'll let the next generation NCLEX roll in. And then now they're preparing for not only all of the information that I'm talking about today, but now you have to learn all of the different test questions, presentations, the scoring, you gotta do case studies now, right? And so if you don't 
get the the mentality that this thing must be done today. I got to get in the virtual trainer today. I have to continue Regina's course today. Then surely time is going to overtake the opportunity because that's what happens. And it's so sad when we are met with an opportunity we're not prepared for. That's like one of the saddest things when um, an amazing opportunity comes by and we're not ready for it. Okay. And so I don't, this isn't Monday motivation, but I'm surely trying to encourage you guys to do what you need to do. Just do what you need to do. All right. And I, I always say, you know, my, um, my program is intended for the person who just wants to study the important points. And when I, when I watch testimonials and I see people who are like, if I only clicked, once I did, once I did the workbook, it all, it made sense. Um, once I followed the calendar, I didn't have to figure out what I was going to be studying. Or when people say, I did the program, it's a six week program, but I did it in two weeks. <laughs> that is, that's what I want for you guys. I want you to feel like you're in control of the process. Sometimes we don't move because we don't feel like we can or we don't know what to do. We don't study because we don't know what to study. I'm like that sometimes where I I want to do something but it's so big that I don't even know where to start. Right? It's so big you don't even know where to start. And I remember one time I I was very sick and I needed to clean my house, but the whole entire house, the kids, I got three kids. They they ruined the whole house. The whole house was, I could have just threw the entire house away. And it was so much to do that I didn't even know where to start. So I literally just started where I was and I picked up my shoes and I took them where they were supposed to be. And then from there, I was able to see the next thing that needed to be done. And so some of us right now, we just need to pick up our own shoes and take us to a next place, whatever that next level is for you. If it's scheduling your test date, that's your next step. If it is getting into the virtual trainer, if it's renewing your subscription to the VT, that's the next step, right? For you, whatever it is, you need to take that next step tonight because you have the opportunity to do it. And also, hey, if you didn't know, we do have a free trial of the virtual trainer. Yes, there is a free trial of the NCLEX virtual trainer, which means you can get into it right now no strings attached you can try the virtual train it's like you're taking a class at home you can go through any one of my videos and i have um, i have practice exams and homework for this course and you can see with the virtual trainer that once you've watched the video you have what you need to be prepared it literally is like taking a full in-class review from the privacy of your own home. And I have it on my laptop, but you guys can also get it on your computers. If you have a tablet like myself, you can get the information right there. Do the work while it is convenient to you. And again, with the free trial, what do you have to lose? You'll be able to take some quizzes. You will be able to uh, watch the videos and really get comfortable owning your NCLEX review process. I wanted you to be able to study when you wanted to, have that accountability, and I also wanted to be able to give you a daily study calendar. And one of the things that I wanted to tell you about this 
virtual trainer right now. If you have been eyeing it, if you have been saying, I wanna try the virtual trainer, you can get in it for free as well. We are doing a 65% off sale for the entire course. And you're going to get three months access to the virtual trainer. Like, okay, for $169, I'm getting a full NCLEX review at the tip of my fingers for three months. That's literally a dollar and 80 cents a day. So when we talk about investing in ourselves and doing what we need to do, let's do that, people. Let's, let's have this time set aside to get our nursing license because if we don't, I don't wanna to have to prepare you for next generation NCLEX because then we're gonna to have to go over all the technical parts of the exam plus the content. And so I'm encouraging you guys, if you're an RN or a PN, you can do that and you have access to not only the entire course, your report card, but I'm also gonna give you the daily study calendar, something that is going to hold you accountable. The virtual trainer absolutely does that for NCLEX and it will help you get your license in four to six weeks. And again, my Remar VT stars are in there and they are killing it, racking up points every day. But what is most important is that they've taken that first step and they are moving forward to their goal of passing NCLEX. I'm telling y'all, I had to play the video because I'm struggling to be here with you guys tonight. On Monday, when you guys know I was on my vacation, right? Well, I got COVID. Um, while on vacation. And so Monday, I I had COVID. What is today? Today is Wednesday. I'm recovering from COVID very slowly. But I'm here because it's important to me. I'm here because I am not letting anything keep me from my goals this year. I said that this was my year and I mean it. And so one of the things that is extremely important to me is winning Wednesdays. One of the things that I know makes a difference to you guys is when we come together and when we study. So when I tell you to do what you need to do in the moment, I'm literally speaking to myself. All right. And I think that's the discipline between successful people and not successful people. It is having the discipline to do what you don't want to do, right? Having the discipline to do what you don't want to do or you don't feel like doing in the moment, but you do it, right? And so a lot of us have that inner strength where we are tapping into it. And this is our season that no matter what comes, no matter what comes, we remain committed to our goals. And so as the leader of Remar Nurses, right? You guys elected me to be your leader. And so right now I'm saying to you all, this is an opportunity that you don't wanna miss. You wanna be a nurse, you wanna get your nursing license. This is the time to take NCLEX, not next year, not next generation NCLEX. This is the time for you to take your NCLEX. There's 400 people on here. I want 400 testimonials of people who've taken NCLEX and passed it before the year is out, okay? That's it. That's all. That's what Winning Wednesdays is about. It's about finding your why again. If you lost it, finding it and picking it back up. So I am going to get out of here, guys. Thank you so much for studying with me tonight. Hey, if you want to talk more, um, I've been doing this. Text me. Text me, 855 696 0132 
and we can um, we can go more into what it is you might need. If you have questions about the product, whatever it is, this is the best way to contact me. So give me a text, 855-696-0132. Write my number down, screenshot it, guys. All right. And I will say this again. You can, you will, and you must pass NCLEX. I will see you guys later. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much. Hit the like bell, subscribe to my channel. I will see you guys soon. Bye-bye.